Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the Talking Llamas podcast. On this week's episode, we, I guess we mostly talk about Frozen, and that's mostly what we talk about, Frozen 2, that is, we've both seen it now, so we thought it'd be a good time to, to discuss it since it's such a, I guess, a highly anticipated film for a lot of Disney fans. So we spend some time talking about that, and first we talk a little bit about some news, some Disney things. We talk about what we're we're thankful for in the Disney Disney landscape, about the changes coming to the Snow White attraction in Disneyland, and our upcoming trip to Disneyland, which will be happening next week. If you guys want to get in touch with the show, you can visit our Facebook page, the Talking Llamas Podcast. You can also uh, follow Thomas and I on Facebook. Uh, he's Thomas Nelson. I am Robert Camozzi. And you can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Talking Llamas Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Da Disney Dad. That's just D A Disney Dad. And as always, rate and review the podcast, guys. Uh, we have you know a fair amount of of ratings coming in, but some reviews are good too, just to give us some feedback or you know let people know who are looking into listening to the podcast, what the show's all about. Um, and you can reach out to us anytime on social media or with reviews to let us know what you like about the show or what, what you might think needs improvement. All right, guys, without any further ado, here comes episode 21 of the Talking Llamas podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 21 of the Talking Llamas podcast. I'm Robert Camozzi, and Thomas Nelson is also here. Hey everybody. How was Thanksgiving, Thomas? It was good. It was pretty normal for me. It wasn't uh, anything... All the food was pretty standard, but I I ate way too much of it, as usual, but I enjoyed it. I had probably the equivalent of three quarters of an entire pie. Okay. What yeah. kind of pie was that? It was a both pumpkin and apple pie. The pumpkin was the better one. Where was the pumpkin from? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't ask. Uh, I just enjoyed it. I got the, a p- pumpkin pie from Trader Joe's and everyone just loved it. Really? It was like, this is where you should get pumpkin pie from now on. I was like, okay. Was, the one we odd. had was really good too. Yeah. It was especially good. Yeah. I, I as per usual, have like one more helping than I should. Like I'm always regretting it like halfway through the last... The last helping I get where I'm basically have all this food on my plate that I'm sort of playing with for like the better part of like an hour and a half. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. I had like a piece of pie and a brownie that I just could barely finish. Brownies, huh? My mom makes really good brownies. That seems kind of, to me, it seems heavy for when you have a big meal also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I split time. It was part of my problem was I split time between Michaela's house and mine. And so we, I basically had two full meals. Yeah, and that's rough. Because I had uh, I had the one, and then I waited a few hours and had more pie. Yeah, and that's that's even that was a little bit rough. Michaela's is interesting because it's a different type of it's like Filipino cuisine. You know? actually, I don't know what you have, but it, it I'm excited by that idea. Yeah, and that's what it was actually pretty great because I was able to try a bunch of different things um, like lumpia and chicken adobo. Uh, I've had those before; those are good. Pans pansit, it's a mm, noodle dish. There's all kinds of stuff there. It was pretty great. Anyways, this is the day after that. Well, well, what I was going to ask you just came to mind. Is there maybe something that you're most thankful for about Disney? Oh. Like that you appreciate. Maybe it's not that you're thankful for it necessarily, but you just, you really appreciate one or two or three things in particular. Maybe from the last year or right now at this point in time. Well, right now I appreciate the existence of Disney Plus quite a bit, actually. I know yeah. we've talked about this a lot, but being able to watch, I just turned on the Goofy movie the other day, the first one. I hadn't seen that in years. Yeah. And I just, really just because I could not find it. It was never on a streaming service. It was always the extremely Goofy movie. Yeah, but and, I, and for the longest time. Yes, and I prefer the original myself because I loved it as a kid. I think that's been what's pretty big for me because I, I'm really appreciating having that full catalog available to me. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think that 
it, it's kind of all encompassing because what I really appreciate about Disney is the movies and, and in turn the music that go along with the movies. Right. I think that's where I draw most of my my love for the the company for uh, or from. And so Disney Plus has been a huge, just a big, big boon for me. And and what about you? Anything? Well, I was a part of it is Disney Plus, but I was going to say access to all the history that we have. Yeah. Because like for an example, we bought the recently released Mark Davis book. That's yeah. Um, with a lot of his illustrations for the attractions, he's an Imagineer and uh, animator as well. Um, so the, there's a lot of insight into attractions that never were attractions that did happen, like pirates and the haunted mansion, and uh, all of all. I think most of the text of the the book is quotes from him. Yeah, there's a lot of it, which is really unique. And that's a base, that's a primary primary source basically, which is in, in history what you want uh, for you know authentic perspectives and storytelling. So yeah, access to the history over the past year or so has been improved and in, in, uh, increased, especially with the Imagineering story. Do you think that that has to do with us seeking it out more? Or has is it just in, is it kind of has there been sort of a an uptick in what's available? I think more I think more books are being released. That that's probably a fact i it might have been in the last year or the last two years for sure i, I bought a, a big mickey book for the 90th anniversary that was released a tashin book yeah. a coffee table book goes for about 200 bucks but it's enormous and full of the history of mickey uh, from the very beginning until the creation of the book mm-hmm. and that kind of thing is created as time goes on because it was 90 years so I, and then this Mark Davis thing, there's actually some other books too that aren't worth mentioning right now uh, that came out and are basically gold mine mines of information. Now, as things get older, I guess, too, that, you know, Disney's getting, we're coming on big anniversaries of things, you know, like Mickey's uh, 90th and and those sorts of things. So the more time there is, the more information accumulates. And I'm just thinking recently we watched maybe a month or two ago, we watched Sleeping Beauty. And when you have it on your Amazon library, there's all the special features just at the very end. It's one running, like it could be yeah. four hours, five hours, but it includes all special features and whatnot. When they re-release these movies, they have the opportunity to make new featurettes or whatever at the end of, or in the special feature section. So there's a lot of information that can be learned through there. And with Sleeping Beauty, there was a lot of background information. So, yeah, as time goes on, re-releasing and technology improves and more information is being released and known by people through efforts like the uh, Walt Disney Family Museum and different, uh, maybe even the the barn that we visited yeah. in Griffith Park. Like Information comes to these places and then can be shared and so on. So, yeah, I'm appreciative that... The, we live in a time when the information can be shared and learned so much easier than before. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so Thanksgiving has come and passed, come and gone, and it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Wow. Yeah. That was uh, okay. Well, I, it's I. I say this because we can we're start going. the whole podcast over if you want. <laughs> I, I'm just saying because we're going to. Uh, Disneyland in a Disneyland, few days yeah. with with the Christmas all all lit up. Also, Michaela's dad was just putting up the Christmas lights as I. Oh, left. he was. Yes. Yeah. So interesting. Are they the the single bulbs across the? Yeah, they're they're the red and green though. Okay, my parents had the have the multicolored one because you know they're inclusive of all colors. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they don't discriminate. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's good. But it's about Disneyland, I'm, a, I'm actually really excited to, to go. It's supposed to rain, I think, when we're there, which I'm both excited about and a little bummed about. What, do you, what bums you about it? Uh, Autopia might be closed. Autopia. Well, not that it would be closed, but that it would be... Well, actually, do they close it down? That's what Michaela was saying. That doesn't seem right, but hey, maybe. Um, I, no, because they might, they might interrupt some shows like yes. fireworks or world of, world of color yeah on top of that well the positive side of possible rain is potentially lower crowds yeah and not which to, wasn't and, a, go on it wasn't an issue last time we went it was pretty light remember when we left that last day and we were like there it, it it was noticeably less less full than usual like when we were walking out 
Just crowds weren't a serious issue the last time we were there, is all I'm saying, in October. I think I think around Christmas time they've become a larger issue, but uh, yeah. the positive, on top of possibly lower crowds, is, for me is a different experience of Disneyland. I don't often go in the rain. Yeah. And so I think that'll be fun. And personally, sometimes I view rainy weather as sort of cozying up weather. Yeah. So And Christmas has that vibe to me too, Yeah. a little bit. And then Disneyland itself is more cozy, let's say, than Disney World. So I think it could it could create a nice atmosphere for a different kind of trip. Yeah, I think so too. I, I'm actually not. I, whatever happens, happens is where I'm at on it. I'm not bummed or excited. I just am. Uh, I'm excited to go, but not the rain doesn't bother me. Is there anything specific that you're looking forward to that we've talked about that you're excited to do? Probably just food. Uh, but our first day, we have a reservation at. Cafe Orleans. Orleans, and there are hot chocolate beignets there. So I'm excited to uh, try those, but also just to eat at that restaurant. Yeah, we, don't, we don't often go there. That's where I'm at, too. I think that's what I'm most looking forward to as well. We haven't eaten there in a while, and they've got some good stuff that uh, is is seasonal, specifically those those beignets, hot yeah. chocolate beignets. Yeah. yeah well, and you think, you think you're most looking forward to that as well? I think so, but as like a secondary thing, I mean, just the, the Christmas food in general. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff to, to try, so I'll be excited to try it. You like peppermint, don't you? Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be good. Oh, the Sip and Savor Pass I'm excited for. for Because the, they have the, the festival of the holidays where they have a, a bunch of booths set up with like food. You can do the Sip and Savor Pass. It's kind of like a you pay like 50 bucks and it's you can get eight food items with it. So I'm excited for that. To try out that stuff. Yeah, I don't think I'll have the. I don't. I don't think I'll have the room to try all that because there's the, a lot of other stuff I want to try. This is the added benefit to having Michaela come and be with me there and us sharing everything. Um, so I'm going to take full advantage. Great. <laughs> you jealous? No. No. Just bored. <laughs> <laughs> are you uh are you excited for the the new snow white stuff the, the snow white the, stuff the, yeah the uh, ride yeah if sure. for those who don't know they're they're gonna do major renovations you you read them off to me yeah i don't have them in front of me but i think there's they're they're putting in some new features oh boy i can't remember Proje- laser projections animation i'm putting a laser show yeah, it's gonna be a whole, it's gonna be a dance party. It's actually inside. gonna be laser tag now. Yeah, well, yeah, during the day, yeah, but at night it's a party. Um, <laughs> yeah, fantasy party. No, but they are. I think they're gonna redo a part. Part of it is they're they're gonna theme the outside to sort of match with the castle in some capacity. There's not a lot of information graphically to show us what that'll be like. There's a little bit of a. The article that I saw was on Disney Parks blog, and they had uh, a graphic of Snow White with reuniting with the animals at the end of the film and the castle in the background. So she's with Prince Charming as well. And I think that's going to be added in at the end of the attraction in 2020. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that because it's something new and it, and it tells us that they're actually going to keep this attraction for a while. Yeah. They're not going to, cause there was some speculation that either Snow White or Pinocchio might be going at some point in, in place of like a beauty and the beast ride or, or something like that. Uh, well, yeah, because there was newer. a rumor that maybe Beauty and the Beast uh, attraction, because one was coming out, I think, in maybe Tokyo. Something like that. Either. One of one of the Asian parks. Either Tokyo or, or Shanghai, I believe. It doesn't matter. It was a high-tech, uh, very good animatronics Beauty and the Beast attraction. And the idea was that, hey, if, that, if the blueprints exist for that, it can be transferred over to another park. Just like Tron from Tokyo, right? is now going to be put over into uh, Magic Kingdom in Florida. So, yeah, people were thinking, hey, maybe you could put it in Fantasyland uh, in, you know, behind the castle. And well, maybe, especially with Red Rose Tavern opening up. At- and that, yeah, and that would connect up and, and fill out that theming, but that would get rid of Pinocchio and Snow White in this hypothesis. Uh, it doesn't seem like that would work for a number of reasons. I think the blueprints for the Beauty and the Beast attraction were far too big to really use the space occupied by Snow White and Pinocchio. So, and then and this news about changing Snow White and improving it is just uh, evidence in favor of the fact that, hey, Beauty and the Beast, whether it's coming or not, unclear, but it's definitely not going behind the castle. Yeah. Uh, up next to, what, Red Rose Tavern and, and then, yeah. So, 
yeah, that's that. So next week when we go, how many Baby Yoda shirts and mugs are you going to buy? Are they are they out? Yeah. I thought I'd heard that they were coming out, but I guess I never looked into it. It came out just before Thanksgiving. Well, you know, as many as I can fit on my body at one time comfortably. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll buy those. And yeah, I think, I think that'll be good, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll probably have as many mugs as I can carry. With they have mugs too? Yeah. Wow. The baby Yoda well, I actually thing is wonder out what, of have you, So have you seen what it looks like? I haven't seen any, yeah, they're any of these great. things. Yeah, they're oh, not great. They're not great. I was like, hoping maybe it could be. Not yet. It's almost just kind of like printed on in like a square. You know what I mean? Like it's an image that's yeah. a square image on a shirt and on a mug. It's just not great yet. I, I'm almost wondering if they didn't know that Baby Yoda was going to be such a big deal and they were like frantically trying to get merchandise out there for people to buy. I'm not sure what's going on. Have you seen the fourth episode? I started today, but I thought you might be coming home and I didn't want it to be on when you walked in in case there was spoilery stuff happening. So no, I when haven't watched this? it yet. I don't know. Today? I mean, Before you went to Frozen? or, or oh, well, I mean, yeah, we're getting into our own schedule. People don't know what we were doing. So. <laughs> I'm just curious because I I'd already I did watch it as well. Yeah. I was just wondering if, if I had watched it yet. Yeah, um, so between when I got back from the gym and went to Frozen, I saw Frozen 2 today, and that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Good, not great. Uh, the, oh, we're the final No, the final oh. Mandalorian, or the most recent Mandalorian episode was good, not oh. great. So oh, okay. Yeah. But, you know, with Baby Yoda, I think they they have a, a sort of floor on how there's, there's a floor on how these episodes will be received. Like at the very least people are going to be like, Oh, baby Yoda is doing his thing. And that's their, that's their floor. But it was, it was fine. I was just curious what you, if you had seen it. Um, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to buy a lot of baby Yoda stuff is the point. All of it. You should wear a jacket or something with rings on it that you can just clip the mugs onto. So you yeah. don't have to actually hold them. And yet you can be carrying. Be you know what I mean? making a lot of noise. Oh, that's fine. That's no big deal. Mm-hmm. What you can do is just bring some bubble wrap and tape it to the outer edge. It's no big deal. I they can have them have wrap some. it up. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we have solutions to these problems. Yes. Okay. So, the, the main topic is Frozen 2. So. Frozen I.I. Yeah. So, I saw it on Thanksgiving. You saw it earlier today. And, yes. Um, I, I would say, uh, going into this movie, how were you, because I rewatched Frozen, this, the the original, this earlier in this week, how did you feel going into this film? Like, open-minded, or were you... Well, I'll admit I was open-minded, but I had a tilt towards um, my critical side. Yeah. Um, but I think that comes through whenever we talk about films that are coming out, well, our, honestly. Our, and, our idea on sequels, too, is well-documented. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was I was I wanted to be open minded, and yet I was also ready to be disappointed. Yeah, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. And so, were you disappointed, Thomas? Uh, I wasn't. I was ready for what I saw. <laughs> so I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't disappointed, but I was not impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Neither was I. You You said earlier, and I'll, I'll give you a chance to amend it now. What, what well, no, I, I walked in uh, to the apartment here and. I saw Michaela and, and Peyton. I thought because your car was gone, and I thought what did what? But then I everything I learned, you were just upstairs. But anyway, I told Michaela immediately that I gave it a six out of ten because she asked me yeah what I thought, and I, I stand by a six out of ten. Yeah, I gave it like I, I was teetering yesterday between a seven and a seven point five is where I'm at on it. Um, that seems high to me. Yeah, I, I, I th- well, that's in line with what, what uh, some of the ratings are right now. IMDb, well, Rotten Tomatoes, and then I think IMDb with user reviews and whatnot. Well, to me, the the Frozen, the original one, and this one too, I think, sort of gets a bump for whatever reason. There's this this like people, I don't know what it mean, what it's about, but there's this like it gets this sort of bump for whatever reason of an extra like five to ten percent. Well, like the original ones, like in the ni- high nineties. Well, how do you account for that? Because I don't I don't know what you mean exactly. It's almost like it, the public sentiment of it is w- well above the actual quality of the film to me. And I'm not sure what well, accounts so, for that so exactly. So where does the bump uh, manifest itself? Where do you, how are you registering that there's a bump? I just feel like the original one's like an 80%. So Rot- Rotten Tomatoes is what you're looking at? Yeah, I can't remember what it is on IMDb. Um, but I know it's like a 90 on Rotten Tomatoes or 90-something. 
uh so to me that's like a that's like 10 percent above where it well, should be. that's rotten tomatoes is tricky yeah because i mean you i don't think you haven't watched it yet but dave chappelle's recent stand-up special came out and they were giving it really bad reviews and yet it's actually really good yeah uh, as far as comedy goes so it's hard to say who's reviewing and whether you can actually trust them and whether they have some agenda. other yeah, agenda on their mind because they're just people and they have jobs and they don't it's not necessarily the case that they have to be objective. Yeah. Or that they necessarily know how to do it the best way, but anyway, Rotten Tomatoes is a I think a good meter, but also jutted up against you know IMDb and and other reviewing yeah, platforms. Well, the first one on IMDb is is actually seven point five. The second one's seven point three. So, mm-hmm. so I guess that's about right, at least for the first one. Um, the second one, it was, it didn't seem like they had an hour and a half worth of stories. So they they made like thirteen songs, and two two of them were like halfway decent, and the rest were just. Are we prepared to spoil things oh yeah we should say that we're going yes. to spoil this film yeah so unfortunately if you haven't seen it and you want some sort of synopsis of what happens that won't spoil it it's pause. not gonna not gonna come pause right now go to the theater watch it and then the second it ends just put the the put podcast your, back yeah, in yours exactly don't even leave the theater yeah just sitting there for yeah however long the duration of this podcast just tell them the talking llamas told you to they'll know what you mean yeah so was there anything you liked about the film that stood out the, from from what you ha- having seen it one time, yeah, exactly. It's tough. Um, I think it was okay visually. I think that was that it, it looked good, um, and I think that Olaf was slightly less annoying to me this time and slightly more funny. I just find him annoying in the first one. Really, I don't really find him that funny. Interesting. You said it, and uh, I think it's true. He makes this movie tolerable. I. Did I? I didn't say tolerable. I didn't say watchable. Those are words that you did use. What? What did I? I in he my mind, the film. I think is kind of in my he, mind. It was that, that he carried the film through the what is probably a lack of a, a, a quality story, like a really good story. Yeah, I mean, this story lacked a villain. Well, I mean, there, it is completely devoid of villain. Right. So I, we'll get to that in a second. We can talk about that more. But you mentioned the visuals. I'm not too impressed with, and I mean, how long. Are we going to continue to be impressed with computerized computer animation? Yeah, animation. I mean, they're they're all good. Like this was no better than any other. It's, I mean, it's a very impressive work they do. But this is this movie doesn't have anything that we didn't see the great yeah. before. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I agree. I, I just think it looked looked fine. Like yeah. it was. It, so for me, that's not something in its favor. It's just credit, something yeah. that's there. The, um, yeah. I don't think I liked any of the songs. A no. couple of them weren't awful. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of liked when the the mother was singing that song in the beginning, mm. but then they brought it back with Anna and Elsa singing it, and I didn't really like it as much then, for some reason. I, I sort of like the song where she goes to that. I don't even remember what that distant place she goes to, where she goes alone. She goes to that island, yeah. and I, I kind of like that song. Um, yeah, it was. It, it's a lot of music. Like, I mean, they're singing a lot. And it doesn't always feel necessary. Well, that's not a that's not a flaw in and of itself because Nightmare Before Christmas does that, and, but it works really well. These songs, I don't know, they just don't. They never hit me as good. Well, you didn't like Into the Unknown the second it was dropped. Oh yeah, which was months ago. I still don't like it. I just think it's if it's it sounds to me like one of those songs that you hear in the special features. It's like, hey, we we're gonna put this in, but we actually had to cut it out. Yeah. And I actually having, I mean, say what, I don't know. I'm proud of the intro music we made for this one, this podcast. Like yeah. I, I made that little melody or whatever. And I, I thought that was pretty good. But like if I created Into the Unknown, I wouldn't be all that impressed with myself. Yeah. Maybe because, and I've said it to you, when they say Into the Unknown, it sounds a little bit like when you're doing karaoke or something, or, or you're making up your own words to a song you know well. Yeah, like you're adding words into a song that already exists. But you know where the rhyme is coming, and so you have to fit in a bunch of words <laughs> to get there right at the last second. So yeah. it kind of feels like that to me, and it doesn't... On top of that, the song didn't really seem right in the moment, because she was in bed real quiet, and then all of a sudden she hears the siren, right? The the the, the voice singing. Yeah, the thing calling she, to she her. She jumps out, and then all of a sudden she's in this huge, powerful song about going into, into the unknown. Yeah. It seemed a little bit like we got there too quickly. I don't know if you thought the same. Yeah, no, I, I didn't understand. I was trying to figure out throughout most of the movie where the conflicts were coming from. Like, she hears this thing, and she's just like, all of a sudden, like, I have to do something. It's like... <laughs> 
What? Yeah. And then the same goes for like Kristoff and Anna. Where, where's this conf, this imagined conflict between them? I, I, that never grasped me. What, what do you, what do you mean? Where they're growing apart or something like he thinks they're growing well, apart. Well, no, that, I mean, that's, that's easily explained because now I don't like that they did this because one, it took away from Kristoff as a character. Yeah. It also took away from Anna as a character, making her look a certain way. And she was she, annoying. That didn't, it doesn't fit with the way I view her in the previous film. Yeah. Uh, where she was denying or she was interrupting. So Kristoff wanted to propose to Anna to marry her. Yeah. And so every time he, he didn't know how to do it. He's nervous like anybody would be. And every time he tried to do it, uh, he, he would kind of do it in this sort of clunky way that wasn't very direct. So it gave Anna the opportunity to, I don't know. Misunderstand be, or jump ner- to conclusions. Or be neurotic a little bit. Like, oh, you th- if he said something and she she would try to twist it to saying, oh, you think I'm crazy? Or there's someone there's someone better or some, than me or whatever it was. Like that whole thing didn't, I don't know. It just didn't, uh, it didn't quite work or make sense. That's what I'm saying. It was very, and then, so he has a song later that's all about that. And I yeah. couldn't tell if it was supposed to be funny or well, serious. Actually, yeah, I think it was. I mean, it did feel like one of those one boy of those band sort of, music videos. Not, not or, boy band, but like, uh, I read someone, someone commented and said it was like an eighties power ballad or something like yeah. that, but it, it is like a ballad, but from a time. And so it is poking fun, I think, but that choice didn't, if I'm editing, I don't make that choice or directing or whatever. Yeah, I I don't I don't think there needs to be a lot of parody in in a film like this. I have this client at work who. I mean, it's not Emperor's New Groove. No, you know, well, like they're actually are. trying to tell a pretty serious story too. Yeah, so it's not. They put, I think they actually verge on putting too many jokes in. Personally, yeah. I, on Kristoff, I have this. Um, apparently, Kristoff's like a very powerful. Like he's a Broadway singer, a very popular well-known singer in that community of people who love musicals and apparently there was a sort of i don't want to say uproar but a confusion about why he wasn't given more singing parts in the original film because he's a big he's got it's like why did you get this actor if you're not going to have him perform musical numbers more so this felt kind of like we got to give him a, a musical number this time like almost they they were they were catering to that fan outcry that small group that was saying that and it just did not work at all for me like the the music was not much of it did work for me well that that song specifically i was just waiting for it to end like pretty much the whole time it was yeah yeah it was weird (laughs) it was weird again it was one of those things like you would see that as a deleted scene on a special features yeah well, the mean, whole movie felt like a the whole movie felt like a, a a TV special that they stretched to an hour and a half. Like for me, I didn't disenjoy the movie either. I mean, we're getting on it pretty critically. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's just not one I'm going to go ever watch well, again. The, I don't think the reason uh, I get on someone these else things, wants to see it with me. The reason I get on these things critically is because they're not risky. Like if you you know, there's no risk yeah. to making a Frozen two. And you know people are going to go see it. The thing is, with even with sequels, there is an opportunity to do a really good job. Yeah. Like, it can be done. It has been done. So, I think people, these people on these projects want to do a good job. Unfortunately, I think when you have to create a story out of thin air. Yeah. Um, and then you also try to fit all these songs in because you think they're necessary. Like, Frozen 1 has a lot of good songs. You remember the songs afterwards. Yeah. They're sing-along songs. I don't know that these songs... Our sing-along songs. There are a couple songs in in. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Frozen song. The Frozen songs, like I, I actually don't really like Let It Go, but I like some other songs in that movie that I legitimately do like singing along to. There's nothing in this film that I will ever sing, <laughs> ever. That's the thing. Is, uh, well, I th- actually think that Let It Go is a legitimately good song. This is a personal, objectively. Thing. I, and I admit that it's a personal thing. Um, but yeah, a lot of these songs had this. This when Elsa was singing, they were, all of them were sort of these reflective. Usually powerful songs. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with reflection and power, but it's like, it's a, it's predictable for her character. Yeah. Like you could show some dynamic elements to her. I don't know, make her a little bit more appealing. The no villain thing. Interesting choice. There, there really is just no force. Well, there. who was the villain in the first one? Hans, I guess. He no. was like a half a villain. Yeah, you don't figure out for a while. 
It, uh, it's almost weirdly... Well, the snow monster, I mean... <laughs> it's it's sort of weirdly Elsa for a little bit where you're like, what are you doing? Like, you know... And villains aren't necessary for films, but when you're Disney animation, yeah. it's kind of part of the deal. Yeah. So Maybe the grandfather was the villain in this one. Oh, yeah. He was on screen for like a minute and a half. <laughs> he was just, he was like a snow person for yeah, he wasn't even real. half of that. <laughs> he, was a, he was both a memory and then a depiction in, in ice. It's almost like they were trying to subvert too much. What like, do you mean? Like a twist. Like last time they had a twist in Frozen 1 where it was Hans turned out to be the bad guy. And then this time the twist was the grandfather actually like screwed over those, the, that other, you know, that kind of tribal group. Uh, and they and you won't figure that out until the end either. And it's sort of this like subversion of like not what you're expecting, you know. But it wasn't it wasn't powerful. Like, no, but I hardly even registered it. Like I understood, but it wasn't like oh my god. Yeah, that was I didn't see that coming at all. Oh, and, I saw and, a lot and, of this then, movie coming. In not even that I didn't see it coming, but okay, so so what? Like you just <laughs> you just felt because everything's even when it quote didn't work out. Yeah. It all worked out. Everything worked out. Not, nothing. No one lost anybody, right? Yeah. Arendelle's fine. Yeah. There was nothing that went on. There was only the threat of things happening. So like when Olaf looked like he was gone. You wanted him to die forever. I wanted him to be dead and gone. Not because I don't like him. I actually did. I liked him a lot in this film. But because that makes the story mean something a little more. Because yeah. the aftermath of that is, hey, we lost this thing. But there was a stake. That's, that's the price you pay when you're in these dangerous games. Yeah. So... At the end of this movie, what what were the stakes, really? Everyone's happy at the end. I mean, this is a happy ending. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it just... It felt contrived a little bit. You know what that means? <laughs> yes. Manufactured. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know what that mean, meant for a couple... Until a couple years ago. Not really. Like, contextually, <laughs> I kind of knew, but it means manufacturing a thing. Yeah. No, I so understand. So it feels a little inauthentic. Yeah, I... What, what about you? Was there anything... Because you asked me what I did enjoy about it. What what did you... I did like Olaf. Uh, I didn't like when... And this is personal because you actually did like it. When he was... There was a point where he's recounting the story of what, Frozen 1? This is just the only part that I found even mildly funny. Well, I thought... I liked his silliness and goofiness in other parts. So I was on board with that. It wasn't necessarily laugh out loud funny. Though the kids in the theater were really digging him. Um, which is... We can talk about that in a second, I guess. But uh, there, so he's recounting Frozen One and what happened, and there were some parts of that that were funny. But then the, the people around were reacting in this particular way that, to me, was like how people in our own culture would react. And yet here they are dressed in this formal, like these are guards from Arendelle who were trapped in this forest, this enchanted forest, for like thirty-four years, and they're you know they look like these formal. Uh, guys, and by the way, it seems like they're in like the mid nineteenth century, because when they get back to Arendelle, he, that guy has to be uh, told what a photograph is, <laughs> which means that it wasn't it wasn't there when he was in in the enchanted forest, and yet it was when he was out. So he also I, doesn't seem to have aged a day. No, well, it's an enchanted forest, so you have. I mean, that's fine. But the, the point was, like, you, you imagine that these people who work for the, the royalty of the Arendelle are going to be have a certain decorum about them. They're proper people. They're going to be more serious. And yet here he is behaving like, you know, someone in a meme online, the way he's... Yeah. Which, to me, takes away from the tone of the film and makes it more of this... I don't even know what to call it. But I like to see some seriousness in characters. Like, Anna's whole character is... Like she's she's quirky and what bubbly, yeah. So it works with her. But when you start putting elements of that into other characters just for a laugh, to me that takes away from the overall story and makes it that you're trying to get people on your side with laughter. And that's where when you get the kids to laugh at Olaf, all of a sudden they like this movie. That yeah. doesn't mean that doesn't mean the story's good. Yeah, and I don't think it is. No, I don't either. A lot of people love this movie that I've spoken to. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Don't you think that's just interesting? Oh, I can't even believe it. It doesn't. Well, it, I don't even hate them for liking it. No, I just no, think no, it's, it's interesting. That. Just I don't know scientifically or something. I don't it's hold it against them. Do you think they really love it though? I, I just think that. <laughs> or at do least you think for, they love the first one and they wanted to love? This well, I think one. for me, it's I have such a thinking mind and a critical mind and analytical. I'm trying to figure things out and learn how to maybe improve things in my own life or just do better or figure out what things like how things came to be. Not 
obsessively, but that's definitely a part of how I am. So I see these films and I think about them critically, especially since it's a Disney film and I love Disney so much and there's stuff about it that I love that I don't want to see thrown away or just, I don't know. Tainted or... or, uh, I don't want to see it forgotten. Yeah. So anyway, I think think you're similar in that way and and I don't think a lot of the viewers really are. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's fine. So it is, You could. I could see you enjoying the film. I just, knowing what I know about creating these kinds of things, not that I've ever made a film, but seeing the way they are created, Yeah, it's like, you could definitely do better. Didn't you hate that noise? You said you Which hated noise? that noise. That, uh, oh, yeah. What, yeah, well, in the first, however <laughs> long of the film, the first portion, they really did a lot of it. Yeah. And then it it was a part of Into the Unknown, that song as well. And by the end, it wasn't there so much. So it was okay, I think. But it was... It, it kind of creeped me out, that song. It gave me oh, a really? weird feeling. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> actually interesting because that's an effective use of a, a sound. It gave me a weird feeling every time it came on. And actually, it wasn't... I actually didn't hate it because of that because it made me feel something. Like, yeah. I was like, ugh. I, it gave me like this weird shiver every time I heard it. I don't know why that was. Um so but, then maybe it was a good move to put it in so so often. As, but as a plot device, it didn't really make sense to me. I didn't understand why is... Well, that was... So that was the sound that was made when Anna and Elsa's dad was saved, right? Mm. Yeah, right? that's what he heard, right? He heard it, and somehow... Is it their mom? Well, it was their mom who saved him, but I guess the way that Elsa recognized the sound was just through the magic of her who she is or familial yeah, has to like, be that. familial bloodlines like she she can perceive it because like she knows that like there's a memory to the sound that exists in her yeah well that which, fire which lizard heard it too yeah that's true and, and so there's no explanation for that from what I gather there's no explanation for the fire lizard at all there there has to be though maybe we just missed it <laughs> I don't think so dude because they didn't Otherwise, even know what why? it was. They were like, fire spear, and they ran away. And then she figures out it's a little lizard, and then that's it. It's, yeah, okay. Then Assuming that there, in fact, is no <laughs> explanation for this fire lizard, cute as he was, and people were were very interested in his cuteness in the theater. Yeah. Why put him there at all? Again, it's like the, the cheap laughs. It's a cheap, hey, this is a cute character, like like a baby Yoda, but with no function. To give them the benefit of the doubt, does it perhaps set up the idea that Elsa's the fifth spirit? If he's the fire spirit, she can be the fifth spirit sort of embodied the way he's the fire spirit. Does it set that idea up? Possibly, but to me that's almost too subtle. Yeah. Especially since they made it this cute thing. It's not like it's a floating... Oh, I definitely think they were, they knew what they were doing. Well, I don't think they knew how to do it effectively. No. But, uh, completely. So no, but they, I think they, they were doing this on purpose is what I mean. They were doing it on purpose. And if, if what you said is true, they were trying to embody that, that element of fire, which they didn't do with... Did they do it with air and, and water? Or she water? And she can't be water. No. They didn't Although do she it, kind of is because ice is water. They didn't do it with wind or earth or water. Right. So that's the... Well, earth. Well, the but, water, there was the, the horse thing. Yeah, and then Earth was... The stone monsters? I guess so. And then uh, wind was just the wind? <laughs> well, yeah, there was, was the wind. gale. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that is what was happening. Um, and then she's... What? That is incredibly subtle, though, and we just pieced it together this moment. Well, maybe it wasn't so subtle. If it were just the lizard, that would be really subtle. <laughs> but they did put every element in there. Um, okay. They embodied every element into something. But they also didn't explain where they came from. Yeah. So it was more like... It was like a visual expression of the different elements, but without any sort of like nod to it. Yeah. Like maybe someone should figure out or put it together or something. Like, I don't know how you tell the story necessarily, but yeah, it was a little, maybe a little too subtle. Yeah. I don't know. And then you mentioned how she somehow races, she's like frozen and dead or whatever. And then when the dam breaks, she somehow races back in time to... Well, yeah, so there's a point in the film where I don't remember who sees it, but there's this sort of mythic place, right? I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, neither can I. Um, with this, I don't know, like a magical river or something. But basically, Elsa has to get there to, I think, what, uh, break the spell or something? I, I can't quite remember. 
She has to f- find out the truth. That's okay. that's what they keep saying. She has to find out the truth. Okay. So anyway, there's a point comes where a map is shown. And I think it's yes, it's their parents Anna and Elsa's parents' map. So they yeah. they go into the ship, their ship, which was in this bizarre place. It was shipwrecked, and Anna goes in and finds this map. And so we see the lay of the land and the path that they took to, or the, yes, it took from Arendelle and they were headed towards this place where Elsa needed to go. So now Elsa has a visual of where she's going to be going. Yeah. But the problem is it's so far away from Arendelle, assuming this map, the scaling of this map is something similar to what you'd find on a globe or something like that. Uh, that as soon as the dam is broken and then the water flows and that's going to crash into Arendelle. Which is what everyone is assuming. That's what's supposed to be given up in sacrifice for this. Yeah. And so, but Arendelle is so far away and the dam, the, how far could that water possibly travel at such a high speed without going into the um, ex- the surrounding land at the same time. Like the point is she gets there in the very next frame almost. Yeah. Like it's, it's very quick. So it, timing doesn't work out. It's, it's too mad. There was a lot of magical solutions to these problems, the how problems much, they had. How much more do you appreciate this film if Arendelle is destroyed and they just rebuild? Um, I don't know that I appreciate it much more. I, I would appreciate the film more if Olaf had, remained gone if dead is the right word yeah um although it seems like she would just be able to conjure up olaf again like that that seems that makes sense sense, but i I guess it does like what would be the explanation for her not to be able to do that again unless she like lost her powers or something yeah that's that's a good point but uh he's since he was gone and we were thinking oh olaf's gone it was like hey maybe there are some stakes here yeah but so that's the one like I cling. When, that's the one I cling to. Like when Bing Bong disappears in uh, Inside Out, and it's like he's gone, and he does not come back. Sure, you know that's yeah. kind of similar thing to me. Um, but the whole the whole town or whatever of Arendelle Kingdom, that's a lot to lose. Yeah. So I don't know that I would think it's a better decision to do that. I I think they could have done it though, and then you know Anna takes over as queen at the end. You know, queen of what? The ashes, so to speak. Well, no, because it's all still there. But where are the people? They came back. But where were they when it was being saved? Because they were looking at the water coming to. They Arendelle. were like on a cliff, like behind it or something. That's not what I gathered. I gathered that they were. This water was bearing down on them, and they were witnessing. No, that's that's why they evac. That's why the whole the whole point was the reason the elements came and drove them all out of the town is so that when the dam was destroyed, they wouldn't be killed. Okay, so what the issue then is that the camera work had it that the angle was directly like Elsa's point of view on the water coming in as she was saving them. Yeah. And then when you get the, the, the close-up of the group of people that we know from Arendelle, it's straight up on them. Yeah. So when you go back and forth between those, it's like one is looking directly at the other. There's no angle yeah to tell that hey, there's no perspective view that shows there, you there's nothing to say hey maybe they're off to the side or something it yeah. looks like they're back to back or yeah so you know like that so that's where i got confused all that was going to happen was the home was going to be destroyed and then i thought maybe what they could do is just have anna be queen and rebuild some new kingdom or whatever it's not like it was you know what i mean something like that they could have done and you know they lose their home but they find a new one and elsa does her thing with the I don't know, what are those people like? I forget their names, but with the the sort of tribal group, she she stays with them, and Anna rules over uh, Arendelle and whatever. What do you want them to do in Frozen Three? <laughs> because it's they're the no- North Oldra people. No, that's right. Yeah, I couldn't quite remember the name. I had to look it up. Okay, what what did you say? I, what do you want them to do for th- Frozen Three? Because I feel like this is an, it's just an inevitability. What okay? Obviously, that's a joke question because I don't want them to do anything. Yeah, yeah, um, it's kind of a joke. What what, mean, what do you think they could do? I don't know. I, I, there could well, be. Well, this s- one was a little bit out of left field too. Yeah. I mean, what did, what did they do? They showed us some some of the background of the parents. They explained uh, how they met. They, they explained the origin of Elsa's powers. Yeah, I guess it's not that interesting to me. No. Yeah, I don't know. 
does does it seem like they're for sure doing a Frozen three? When I was watching it at the end, it definitely felt like they're, and I don't, I can't specific because I've only seen it the one time. It definitely felt like they were leaving it open so that they there could be more conflict, and they could make a third one. And I mean, if they were willing to make this one, what would stop them from making another one? Do you know what I mean? It, this one made has already made a lot of money. So. Yeah, and that's mostly because of the name of it. The popularity of the first one, Frozen, is known. Oh yeah. Now, six years later, so people are people are on board with the franchise now. I would say, for the, for the like in the, I was going to say for unfortunately, but not for fans for the the direction of the company. This mm-hmm. the animation portion of the country, company, because again, sequels are. I mean, they're not impressive to me. As I mean, they can be, but as projects, they're not impressive to me. Like if you, if I were an, an executive, I, I wouldn't want sequel projects. Now, there's a, a financial issue there because maybe they're yeah. great for that reason. But if you actually take your the legacy of Disney seriously, you would seriously reconsider going so heavily into sequels and remakes. But again, we don't have to go so far down that road like we have. Yeah. I just, I feel like they're going to, they will make a third one or whatever. So we'll see if they end up doing that. Um, maybe this time there'll be an actual, an actual villain or, or something. Is there any more redeeming qualities or, or even things they, things you're thinking that they could have done perhaps that would have made it more palatable for you? Or if the songs had been more catchy, they weren't yeah. catchy songs. That's, that's the issue. I mean, I know Into the Unknown and the, the melody that it's sung in, but that even that's only a little bit catchy. Like the yeah. whole song isn't catchy to me. So the buildup is her speaking in this way that like the, the words are there, but I don't remember what the heck they are. Yeah. Not even a little bit. No, it is It is early in my, it's fresh in my memory or it's, it's like the seeds have been planted. I don't know exactly what my memory will keep over the next few years, but it didn't feel like a first time in forever. Or love is an open door. Yeah, like these songs have a quality to them that sing along. It's catchy, and it's upbeat. Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't find anything particularly. Uh, I don't know. I I just think that it should. <laughs> it's it's horrible to say. I just feel like it didn't need to be made. It it didn't need to be. Maybe not even that it shouldn't have been, but it's just unnecessary. I don't even like that word though, because all these movies are quote unnecessary. Yeah, I think you know what I mean, though. Like, just we didn't we didn't need it, and it's not. Well, some people did feel like they needed to know more about the parents of Anna and Elsa. Did you find that satisfying? Like, and that's a, a real question. Did that was that did that help you? Did that enhance Frozen One for you? Not really. Yeah, not really. I feel like I was fine with where where it ended and not not really knowing. I feel like it's one of those things where you get to know a character too well. Not a character, but a set of characters. Yeah. Uh, like, I think this is a, a little bit of a sidebar, but it's in the same discussion. Like, with certain sitcoms, like, I think the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia was really great for, like, five, six seasons. Yeah. And then the actors who were also the creators of the show decided they wanted to go down the road of see what these characters would turn into based on how they were in the show in the earlier seasons. So then they, they just become these different creatures by season 13 and 14 that to me the show is unrecognizable from what was so great about the first few seasons. So when you, in to me that's getting to know the characters too deeply. Yeah. And seeing too much of what they're actually about. So uh, when you know all the story, the background story of the parents, like we didn't know much about Snow White. Yeah. Where she came from, but it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it wasn't about that. Like, it's fun to have a lot of information, but it doesn't always serve the purpose of a film. Yeah. I agree. And and we've talked about this before, but just the idea of, you know, having to conjure up a story instead of having a story, you know? Yeah. And I, I saw someone review it on YouTube, and he was saying that it's like, that for Frozen 2, that it, it's like, yeah, this idea for the story looks really good on paper. But then, like, once they started getting the songs written and the, the, it, seeing it on the play out with the voice actors and whatnot, it was like, oh, this might not be quite as good as it is on paper. Yeah. And that's kind of how it felt. Yeah. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but... No, 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 no. 
Yeah. Did you? What do you think about like kids? And they- hate them. They're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like how this appeals to them. Like even Peyton, she she enjoyed it, and she does this thing where she pretends she hates things that she likes. It's annoying. She but- said it was an F plus. <laughs> yeah. Well, she she originally said it was an A plus, and yeah, then yeah. and then realized it'd be funny if she said it was an F plus. It's like okay, and it was. Sort of. I mean, I've heard it twelve times well, now. She's she's telling it to the wrong crowd. We know her. We know her too well. Yeah, so it doesn't always work. But she she she, she seemed to settle on a B minus. Yeah, or, she she settled on like a B B minus. Yeah, yeah. Not she she said it is definitively not as good as the first. The kids the fine. kids really seem to like it in the theater. Now I didn't see it in the Frozen One in the theater with kids, so I don't yeah. know. I have nothing to compare it to. But it was definitely Olaf, maybe Sven. And Kristoff, their relationship that was the source of a lot of the humor. A lot of laughing. During, like, Olaf's song, there's a lot of, like, he's falling in a hole or... I didn't like his song either. No. No. Because, again, it was... I didn't need to... What was it? Uh, I don't get the message. Well, It'll, the me- This all makes sense when I'm older thing. Well, I think that was for kids. It's like... Also, yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit like they're telling us, hey, this story will make sense as time goes on. Just stay with us. <laughs> I, or like that's a good point. I didn't. That's a little meta. I didn't really think of it that way. But that's that's a good, that's an interesting way of looking you at it. You know, it was an interesting line that stuck out to me. Um, not from that scene, but when Anna is with the, she's luring the rock monsters mm-hmm. to the dam so they can destroy it while trying to kill her effectively. Yes. Um, and then and then. Uh, what's his name? Kristoff comes and saves her. Did you did you notice what he said to her first thing? I may have in the moment. What did he say? He said, "What do you need?" He didn't ask, "What are you doing?" Or he didn't. He, it was like there was an assumption that she was luring yeah. these monsters, not running from them. Yeah, okay. Like that was just like obviously, and he loves her. He would say, "What are you, are you okay? What, what what's happening?" Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't just say, "What do you need?" And then let's go to the dam, and then that's it. Yeah. Like to me, that's. I don't know how that line gets through. I'm actually angry about it. <laughs> yeah. As I'm saying it right now, I'm angry that they put that in there. Because like, that's such an oversight. Because he should have he, he should have shown a little bit of care for her first cuz she's already on Sven and they're riding in the same yeah. direction they're already going. There's time to explain. Yeah. Like and it only takes a second to say a few words. Yeah. Like she can even tell him, "Shut up, we have to go." Like yeah. but he should still show that he cares about her enough to say yeah. Like, there's no way he knows what she's doing. Yes. How can he possibly know? Yeah. He didn't know she was even gone. Like, he was preparing another proposal with a bunch of reindeer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, salty. <laughs> yeah. Is it possible that this that we're just not the demographic for this film, or is it possible that it's just not quality? You shouldn't make films for demographics. No, I mean, I, the quotes we I, went through last week with Walt, are in the, in the, some of the ones we saw anyway, if we didn't talk about them, were... These are going to be for everybody. Children, I think I saw a quote that was talking about making children reach in these films. So they're not supposed to understand everything, but if they reach a little bit in their minds, they can understand what's happening. Yeah. But also it's not detracting from what parents are going to see in the film either, adults. Yes. Like it's not going to to ask them to lower to a certain level. That's what sets Disney apart. That's what's always set Disney apart is that they make films for children and adults. Yes. And they make the children stretch. And it's not a demographic thing because that's everybody. This was a thought exercise. I I agree with uh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, I mean, you you see in like on when you see reviews or whatever on YouTube or even on online, and you read comments that people put. A lot of them say they start their comment by saying, "Well, for a kids movie, or this this movie's directed at kids, and maybe that's so, but it shouldn't be so." I mean, it I'm can be directed at kids, but also have something for adults and have a lot for adults. I suppose, but it's not for kids. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. This one, this one, I think is mostly for kids. In the but way, that, in the way that it's told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't say that it's mostly. It just seems like a lot of it was for kids, like the Olaf stuff, and I, and I'm on board with comedy. So yeah, I think that's that's fine. But given that the story wasn't as strong, also, mm-hmm. you know, it just seemed a little like they were going for a demographic. Yeah, I agree. That's why I asked. Okay. I think we've pretty well... This was a half of a gripe episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is what it is. I, I well, They have some origi- more original stuff coming out soon, so hopefully that's... And by original, I mean like non-sequel stuff like that. Well, I like to think that we 
because I I get the feeling that we're really that we can come off as really negative or critical. But like when Coco came out, there was no part of me that thought that was a, a bad movie or that they shouldn't have told it the way they did. Like it, there was nothing about it that I thought did you I, that mention, I had to think about. I, I knew that I liked it. I don't think you said this on the podcast, and you should say it. The thing that you said about Coco, the the songs in Coco. Well, it was that when I heard those songs, I, I knew that I liked them. And I, I think I came home the same night or a, a couple of nights later, I was listening to them on YouTube. And I was... I wanted to watch the movie. I loved the music. It I saw was that good. movie four times in theaters. Yeah, and that's an ex- so I'm not going to see Frozen two again. But Coco's not a sequel, and I understand that. Yeah. However, but these movies should be able to be like they should stand on their own. The story should be that good. Yeah. It, otherwise, don't make it. Like that's that's the whole that's the bottom line to me. Um, yeah, and I agree. And like uh, someone that I talked to yesterday said they cried when they saw they saw the movie and not because it was bad because it was like it 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 brought that emotion out in them and i just couldn't figure out why well there was a there was a pretty good demonstration of the uh, relationship between elsa and anna but kayla said it made her feel uncomfortable maybe like it was gone, coming on too strong or yes, something like, like that but yeah. i didn't i didn't get that so much and i think there was i felt like they were pushing it and and when i watched the first movie the thing that struck stuck out to me is they really pushed it there too where it was like oh hans isn't going to kiss her oh and neither is Kristoff. it's that's not how she's going to be saved it's going to be by this act she does for her sister and that worked and well enough but in this movie it seemed like it was lathered on too thick to me do you have an example of maybe when that when that happened there was a point where Anna just would not listen to reason where she's like I didn't like it in the fi- when things were on fire and she was yelling at Anna for like trying to put the fire out and it's like I mean what do you want her to do just let the forest burn down so wait so Elsa wouldn't listen to reason Anna Anna was mad because Elsa ran into the fire and then Elsa was mad at Anna for running in the fire but Elsa has powers like to me it's just obvious like why Elsa would and why Anna wouldn't and they're like arguing about this because they love each other and it's like well, let's just be like, let's just be reasonable about this. You have no powers. You're going to just die, and Elsa does. And there's stuff like that that was just throughout the film where they're very concerned about one another. I guess that would happen in real life, but I don't know. It just felt... Well, you know what? I'm thinking about what happened earlier in the film, and before they set off on this quest, it was Anna and Sven and and Kristoff. I keep saying Sven first, but yeah, Kristoff and Anna, and Anna they... Anna said, you know, I went, I did this up the North Mountain and I, all this stuff. Like, it's not too dangerous. I'm going with you. So I think maybe she has a little bit of a chip on her shoulder thinking she can do anything. On top of that, she now has a good relationship with her sister. And, yeah. and she didn't for so long. Maybe that she just doesn't know how to handle it yet. She's immature in that way. And so she thinks that she knows what's best or that things are more important than what's maybe the bigger picture. So when, when, she, when Elsa tells her, you can't go running into fires or whatever yeah and then anna says well if you don't want me to run into fires and don't stop going into fires like there's no other option than anna can be right by her side yeah. helping her all the time so that to me it's just anna's immature and i think that's part of her personality she's still growing and learning mm. in her way maybe part of losing olaf at the time helped her grow a little bit but i guess we'll have she to has wait that for song Frozen three to know she has that song right after that's the thing too. When she started singing there, I was like, "Why? Why is she singing right now?" She's like in the cave, you know. Yeah. They all ha- they all had these like solo songs where they're on their own, like, and they're these kind of yeah. Co- they did, huh? They yeah. They're these kind they of even co- had Sven sing. Yeah, they had these kind of coming of age songs that I just didn't appreciate any of them. So, okay. Well, now that we've successfully um, ruined your day, yeah, or improved it, yeah, maybe maybe we're ju- justifying how you feel. But um, I, I think it's I, I think it's good to talk about things this way and with a critical eye. I mean, we, we definitely are going to be honest if we don't like something. So or, you know, we don't love it. Um, and when we do love something, we will let you know <laughs> as soon as that happens. <laughs> well, we had a quote. I, I delivered a quote last week from Walt that was paraphrasing whenever I'm on a ride, I'm looking at ways to improve it. Yeah. I think that's what we're employing here is we're on this ride of seeing these movies and if there's room for improvement, we'll talk about it. If, if that's the majority of what we see, which I think frozen Two is mostly like there's room for improvement in everything they're doing. Yeah. Then that's what we're going to talk about. Yep. 
But like with Coco, there wasn't that much to improve on. So it was like, okay, we'll enjoy this a little bit. Okay. Yeah, and I agree. Okay. Well, until Frozen 3 comes out, we will uh, we will table this talk. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. We will be back next time with our trip report uh, about our, our visit to Disneyland. Hopefully that'll be interesting. I wonder what people think of trip reports. I think I like them. I think people like them. Well, we're going to have to make an interesting trip so that we have things to say. I'll do something crazy. You'll dance with characters? Oh, that's not crazy enough. Oh, it's not? Because you've only done that one time. And they weren't even characters. They're pirates. Yeah. Yeah. What will you do? What will you do? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, it's going to... Well, you don't have to surprise me. You surprise the listeners. It'll make it more... Well, it won't be a surprise to the listeners if I tell you right now. just give us a hint. the mics are on. The mics are off. Trust me. I'm winking at you. Okay. Um... It will it will blow your mind. Will it, will, it, will it still blow my mind if it's raining? Yeah, even oh, more so. That's fascinating. Yeah. I can't wait. Well, until next time, I yeah, guess. Yeah, the uh, listeners will have to just tune yeah. in next week to see the crazy thing I did. Yeah, well, or hear about it. Maybe we'll video it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to paint such a good picture, they're going to see it in their minds. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's great. All right. Okay, guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye-bye.